Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. I have a treat for you today. One of my favorite human beings on the entire planet, Carlos Whitaker, Los Wit, leader of the Insta Familia. He is here today. I am sitting in real time, in his kitchen outside of Nashville, Tennessee. It's beautiful, but our conversation is even better. Sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for a big old dose of hope. Carlos Whitaker is on the show today. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis. And I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. Listen, this is like, of all the places that I've wanted to come, don't tell the other people. Okay, we won't let them know. The thing I was looking forward to most because watching what is happening in your life in real time yeah. has been surreal at best, but also as much as I am just getting to know you, yeah. I feel pride Dude. for the things that I am watching happening inside of your Instagram Thank and this you. Insta Familia. Yeah, well, you know, first of all, I'm just excited you're in my kitchen. And you're, you're like, it, this is like, this is my safe space. And this is like where I like, and like Dave is sitting in front of me. Uh, you know, it's funny. You walked in here and you were like, I feel like I've been here before. But the thing with Instagram, when you film stories, they're backwards. Yeah. You know, like, like the shirts will be backwards. Oh, right? yeah. So people sometimes will come in here that have only seen it on Instagram. And they're like, but I thought that was over there. It's like, no, it's because it's on Instagram. No, my, my instinct, honestly, was to hide for someone coming in for a surprise party. That was Pirates oh, theme. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because right. that's just what we're going to do. But no, I appreciate it. I, uh. I've been having fun the last few months, you know, really the last few years on Instagram, but really specifically the last few months trying to trying to deal hope, man. You are hope dealer extraordinaire. I want to talk about it in a second, but yeah. the conceit of coming in the first place was this idea that, hey, I conjured some peace on a patio. Yeah. Super important is noise was just crushing on all sides. Yeah. I was interested to understand where others found their peace. Mm. I mistakenly thought that I would be sitting on patios exclusively <laughs> and have only one time sat on a patio so far. That's right, that's right. Uh, is this kitchen, is this house, these four walls, is this yeah. something that is where your peace is protected? It is. It, for me, this is my safe haven. I mean, you're in it. We don't live in a big house. We live actually purposely uh, in a small house. We've downsized and downsized every single time to where now we've got you know, our three teenagers, my wife, our dog, our chickens and goats, they don't ever get in the house or whatever, but we, it's just a small place where I feel so safe. Yeah. I feel peaceful. And the chaos of family for me is really what keeps me grounded and keeps me focused and keeps me peaceful as I'm doing this really intense work, as I'm doing work that uh, is really, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of 
um, it takes a toll on my soul. Yeah. Uh, as I'm talking about hard things, as I'm having hard conversations, I come back here. I literally just felt it when I breathed right now. Like that breath, I can feel it. My lungs fill up even bigger when I'm right here in this kitchen because this is just where my family is. Yeah. Yeah, man. I feel it. Yeah. It's weird. There's yeah. an energy in this space. Yeah. You can tell that peace is a yeah. thing that exists here. Yeah. There's there's been some things that have happened lately that I like I want to give you credit for because you deserve credit for it and I also just appreciate that there is no way these things could happen yeah. without higher powers also being Absolutely. complicit in the work but the story of Tony yeah. is one that just it just is mind-boggling. I love so much that it was picked up by national media. It was yeah. deservingly picked up, but yeah. the story if people don't know the story, yeah. you had a speaking engagement. I did. That speaking engagement was canceled. And I love that you're talking about this part because a, a lot of people don't talk about this part, so keep going. No, this, to me yeah. this is important, right? The speaking engagement was canceled and there was frustration yeah. for the cancellation in yeah. part because it required you to have a layover yep. for now a redirected flight back home yep. and your plans. Having, and my loss of income. And your loss of income yeah. having changed. Yeah. And in the time when you not getting what you were hoping for. Right. What happened? So, yeah, I, I'm in Dallas, and my next speaking event is in Memphis, and so I'm supposed to just fly through Atlanta to get to Memphis, and then on my flight, I find out COVID, something happened with COVID, event got canceled, I'm frustrated, like, oh my gosh, I've got to go back, like, we were planning on using this money for certain bills, yada, yada, and so I'm on my phone like I always am, right? I'm like going through the airport, talking to all my and stuff of me, they're going like, guys, the event got canceled, you know, I'm a little frustrated, uh, I remember saying it. I was going actually underneath like the rainforest in the in that Atlanta airport, and I went up the terminal A escalator because my next flight was now going to be in an hour and a half, and I was hungry, and so I normally go to the Sky Club because I'm like a, a snobby Delta Sky medallion diamond medallion elite. I'm you that travel guy. a bit. Yeah, I travel a bit. So I'm like, I'm gonna go to the Sky Club and get my free meal, uh, but I heard a guy playing the piano just kind of around the corner, and I was like. I'm going to go over there. I'm, I'll eat a Chick-fil-A right next to him. And I looked, and no one was paying attention to him. This guy's like just going to town. He's, he's just going. And uh, I'm like, how was this guy giving everything he has and no one's paying attention? So something in me was just like, you just need to see him. Just He needs to see you see him. So I grabbed my chicken biscuit. I walked over. I plopped myself two feet from his piano. And I just kind of leaned in. And you could kind of see him like, Oh, like this guy's paying attention. And then I looked up on about 20 minutes later, I look up and I see his tip jar that like 15, 20 bucks in it. And I'm like, this guy's playing for tips. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to be like good Samaritan guy. I'm going to give him a hundred dollars. Like I like look patting myself on the back. <laughs> like, like look at this. So I walk over to him and I was like, I didn't have any cash. So I was like, Hey, do you have Venmo? He's like, no. Um, he's like, I have cash app. And I said, Oh, you know, let me cash it. So I cashed after him, you know, his, his tip. Um, and then he, he, he's like, wow, hundred bucks. You know, so he came over to talk to me and I asked him his story. And then he tells me he's on dialysis, nine hours a night, kidney failure, used to play on cruises, used to play the club scene. Now he just comes four hours a day to play for tips to the Atlanta airport. And that's just when it's, it hit me. Yeah. And I was like, okay. He goes back and plays the piano. And I, I said, I've got 30 minutes till my flight leaves. How big of a tip can I raise on Instagram um, in 30 minutes? So I started to story him playing live and I said, here's my Venmo. I will just put the money. I'll give the money to him. And so people just started 
ding, 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 ding. And I don't know if you're familiar, on Venmo, when someone sends you something, the push notification sound sounds like a, uh, a cash register opening from like the 80s. Yeah. Cha-ching, right, like yep. it used to. Yep. So my phone starts going cha-ching, 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 just over and over. And at 1,000, 2,000, 20 minutes left, 3,000, 4,000, 15 minutes left, 8,000. And then at 30 minutes, right before I had a sprint to get on my flight, it was at $10,000. So I called him back over, and this is the part of the video that went viral. Um, I said, hey man, and uh, he's kind of leaning over. He's like, yeah, and I said, I just want to let you know that I'm about to give you a $10,000 tip. And his jaw drops. He's like, what the bleep are you talking about? Yeah. And uh, it was so human. Like his reaction was so, and I was like, well, it's not really me. Uh, it's it's my Insta familia. It's the people that follow me on social media. There's like 170,000 people that are that have given this to you. And he's like, who who are they? You know, he asks me, and I said he didn't understand. Right again, he I don't yeah. think he didn't understand Instagram. He starts crying. We hug. Um, I leave. I fly. I get home. By the time I land, it's at twenty thousand uh, dollars. By the time, and then I said. Let me have you on my podcast tonight, you know? So then him and his wife, I, I tell them on the podcast, it's at $44,000. By the end of the night, it was $70,000 by the next day. And who knows how much more it grew uh, from that point. But, um, you know, it just was, to your point, here I was planning what I needed to happen in my life. Yeah. And how many times does God disturb your plans for something way greater than you never imagined was even necessary in your life. And so, um, you know, I had just an influx. It went viral. We were on Good Morning America, on World News Tonight, on all the things. And I have all these probably 70,000 new Instagram followers in the course of a few weeks because of this that are now like, oh, this is what you do? What's the next thing? Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm like, wow, there's more people to give now. And they're the superheroes. They're the ones that are doing it. I, again, like I'm just a conduit. Um, and people are just excited to get back to, I think, how to be human again. Yeah. Like, like how to, how to like change the world with people that don't look like you, talk like you, think like you, eat like you, and, and they're just doing it. Man. Yeah, and hope is, is a byproduct yeah. of that yeah. connecting tissue humanity that we all want to be part Absolutely. of. Absolutely. The thing I love about the story is, one, the disruption in your plans, creating yeah. the actual outcome that was intended, two, this universal thing, we all want to be seen. And Tony, yes. it makes me want to cry, but Tony wanted to be seen like yeah. all of us want to be seen. Yeah, yeah. And that you're, having heard the music, you could say it happened to be because it was loud enough, I'm going to argue that you heard the music because you were meant to hear Absolutely. it. And it brought you to him so he could be seen. Yeah. What I also think is interesting is that your original instinct was a $100 tip yeah. turned into a $70,000 yeah, tip. totally. Which is just like, again, I think there's this human instinct nature of us never really believing that we can have an impact as big as we ultimately can until yeah. we do. Right, right. And there was something about that first tip that yeah. actually opened the door for yes. the bigger tip. Yes. But you took the first step. You're preaching now. Yeah, I'm just, so, it no, took some so courage, true. though, yeah. to just even like, like yeah. find something good in something that was frustrating for you. And to your point, that, that first tip, it, that could have been enough. That, that, that could have been the, the part of the story that, you know what? He got a $100 tip. He was so grateful for that $100 tip. Like He was like, wow, this is amazing. And there was a connection. And... That could have been it. So, so don't don't think that it always has to turn into some miraculous, massive thing. Just that first step, to your point, yeah. is all it takes to change somebody. But what if taking that first step not only changed that one person, 
but changes thousands of people that you never know. Oh, it's so good. And I love, too, like the impulse then that the community who've made themselves a part of something bigger than themselves and have witnessed now something that affords them hope or connection yeah. Yeah. are hungry for what ends up being next. And yeah. the way that you were able to show up for those affected by fires in Northern California. I yeah. mean, there's, it's story after story. And it's the beginning <laughs> of story after story. Yeah, absolutely. You're someone who has had a lot of identity change mm. over time. I'm someone who's had a lot of identity yeah. change over time. I yeah. mean, this most recent chapter, my primary identity was husband and then that shifting, yeah. I'd lost a sense of who I was until I could find it. Yeah. How do you define yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, uh, I look back, somebody asked me about, about all of the attention that I'm getting and, um, and I, I, I say, I'm actually grateful that this isn't happening to me when I'm 27. Yeah. Because I feel like I've been through so much bleep that I've seen everything fall apart that now I'm just so honestly grateful to have a seat at the table with these people whose lives are being changed. And so like my identity isn't based in how much I raise, isn't based in like all I want to be known for now. And I'm going to do a whole, whole bunch of great, uh, more things, I think. I think... God has big plans for me. I honestly believe that. Here, here. I here, here. But my identity is just being a good dad and being a good human and helping people um, see their fullest potential and, and in helping people heal. That's what I want. It's just what I want to do every day. Yeah. That can take, that can look different ways. It, it's looked like Carlos, the, the musician signed to a record label back in 2008, right? And that was me helping people heal. It can look at like Carlos being a consultant for nonprofits doing this. It can look like Carlos being an author, a speaker, an Instagram influencer that's changing people's lives. As long as it stays consistent for me that I'm just trying to help people become fully healed humans. Yeah. Um, Man, that's what I want my identity to be found in. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. Before we came on, I was telling this, like the broad conceit of the book is this idea, hey, we each are made with yeah. really impeccable design. Like yes. There's intention behind yes. why we're here. And the idea of how we honor the intention of our creator yeah. is the thing I think each of us are meant to do. But the yeah. form that that takes is something that I do think that differs over time. Yeah. And that there isn't a singular way to fully use your potential. It's Absolutely. a thing that's just going to ebb and flow. Yeah. I, I'm excited about what ends up coming next because... There's so many things that yeah. you could be prepared for. Since the book is about courage and the kind of courage yeah. it takes to fully stand into this intention, I feel like there are a lot of big doors that are about to open for you. And mm -hmm. I'm curious if there's equal parts excitement and worry. Is it yeah. just all excitement? Like, where do you see yourself needing to have some courage yeah. for everything that feels like is on the cusp of happening for you? I, I think something that... Um for me, courage is, is like a daily thing for me, is the work that I have to continue to do to believe that I am worthy of this calling. Um, where I have to find courage on a daily basis for me is I have to make sure that I don't continue to believe the lie that I am not worthy to carry this mantle or believe the lie that I am not able to, you know, um, all of these lies that, that we believe a lot of times come from childhood. And so, you know, it takes courage every day for me to look in the mirror and go, you know what? You can do this and you're, you're worthy of this. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a bigger thing is that we just have to believe that our worth 
is what our worth really is. And um, that's where I have to find the courage every single day is, is to just break past the lies that I believe. And this is, you know, um, this is, I wrote a book on this, you know, just on, on limiting beliefs and lies. And it's still something that I do every single day. Yeah. Uh, but it takes courage, you know. And it does take, it takes some courage because I am, a, I do get a little overwhelmed with, I mean, this is, Dave, this, this is a lot, $650,000 in the last two and a half months that have been filtered through my personal Venmo account, <laughs> that all these people just trust me with their money and they don't even blink. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of, and I, I, don't, I don't ever want to lose that. Like, I don't want to just be like, oh, this is like, I want to, I want to constantly feel the weight of these people trust you. Yeah. And it's taken 15 years of me being online for, to get to this level of trust with a lot of these people. Um, there's some weight in that. And I don't want to lose that weight. But I also don't want that weight to be my limiting factor. You know, I want to make sure that I, I, I look at my design and, and, look at, and, and then see the way that God has designed me and allow that to give me the courage to move. That's good. Yeah. You've made somewhat of a reputation in having courage to have hard conversations. Yeah. Right? And it's, I think, the hallmark of how I would describe you is like someone who has the capacity to build bridges of empathy between yeah. people of different backgrounds yeah. in a way that affords understanding, even if it doesn't create agreement. Right. And I think there is, I mean, if we could clone that, yeah. right? That is yeah. the salve that is so needed in a mm. totally divided yeah. and more and more divisive world that we're living in every day. Yeah. Is this a thing that just naturally was a part of your being or is it something that you grew into? Like, how did you find yourself wading into conversations around race or conversations around structures yeah. that are, yeah. you know, oppressing people in some capacity in yeah. a way that might make someone who bristles at the idea of privilege, mm. capable of even just hearing the counterpoint. Yeah, wow. You know, I, I know I've not always been that way. No, I wasn't always um, the one to have these conversations and lead these conversations. Uh, you know, I used to consider myself back in like 2010, blog days, if people even remember. <laughs> uh, those days, more, kind of more of like a shock jock of like, yeah, I'm gonna have hard conversations, uh, but I'm going to do it in a shocking way that's going to disturb and disrupt you. Uh, and if you like me, that's fine. If you don't, whatever. And, you know, and again, that was kind of like 30-year-old Carlos. Yeah. Um, but as I've grown and as I've matured and as I've gone through things where I'm like, whoa, life isn't actually about that. Um, I have matured into a place where, you know what, um, I've seen more people grow uh, through empathy and understanding um, than, than I have through you know, being a rage-filled shock jock on the internet, yeah. right? Like that's just... Winning you, someone by debate yeah, rarely works. Show me <laughs> where one person really changed their mind in a comment thread on a Facebook, you know, yeah. post. It just hasn't happened. So um, so, so I, what, what I did was I kind of like, you know what, I'm going to leave that, that part behind and I'm just going to be like, like happy family guy. And so like, oh, we had started the YouTube channel and I had my family vlog and we're traveling and I'm filming my kids and everyone's like, oh my gosh, look at this happy little, you know, interracial family. This is like so cute to watch. And so like, it's great. I'm writing like fluffy books. Uh, I mean, they were good books, but some of them were a little fluffy. And then like, I'm speaking at churches and people feel good and I'm like the feel good guy. And so like, here I unintentionally built this brand of like, just being like the, uh, you know, happy, fluffy dad, right? <laughs> and, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, look at this cute little family. And then 2020 hit. Yeah. 
And then I kind of was taken aback as to like, most of the people that followed me on the internet, I started seeing things they were posting and I was like, wow. Inconsistent. We, yeah, like, <laughs> wait a second. Like, we don't have the same beliefs. Uh, and what I didn't want to do is lose them. What I didn't want to do is be like, you're wrong, let me lose you. So what did I do? I realized I've got to create a safe space to have conversations with these people, even though I vehemently disagree with them, yeah. in a way that is safe enough for them to um, be willing to just see me. Because if, if they followed me for long enough, then they love me. Now I don't want them to just love me, I want them to see me. Yeah. And then those are the conversations on race. Those are the conversations on COVID. Those are the conversations, all the hard conversations on yeah. politics that I begin to have, but I had them in a way where people that may not stand on the same side of an issue with me still walked with me and still trusted me enough to have these conversations. Yeah, staying engaged. I actually yeah. think that one of the things that's the difference in someone who can, in the way that you've approached it, actually have a chance yeah. at softening sharp edges of the heart yeah. is time that you are engaged, the length of time that you're engaging someone in a topic where yes. there's disagreement. Yes. Because it's when you have the walking with for the length of time yes. that you start to see the opposite side of the issue or walk in the other person's yeah. shoes. The empathy doesn't exist in the snap comment that gets no. left in the Facebook thing. And it's so important to uh, to continue to humanize all of these issues. And that's what I try to do, you know? If somebody, I can't remember if I've, we've talked about this before, but if somebody DMs me like this rage-filled, right, with their thumbs, I always just open up my camera, and even if I've never replied to them in anything before, and I send them a video, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, hey, this is Carlos. Like, I, I just wanted you to see my eyes, because I, wa I wanted you to hear my voice, to, to let you wow. know that, like, I'm for you. Like, I just, before we even talk about any of these, I'm for you. Bro, 99.99% of the time, it, the conversation just shifts to a human space as opposed Man. to just this. An issues yeah, debating an issues space. Thing, debating yeah. space. Yeah. Because when you see someone's eyes. I'm going to steal that. When you see someone's That's eyes. good. It diffuses everything. Oh. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The humanity piece in social media is the thing that's been discounted yeah. in a way that makes the vitriol exist. Yeah. And if you can actually get back to the human space, it's, that's it's it's everything. So I, I've, I've seen you talk recently about this, and I've actually asked other people in this little tour yeah. this question because I'm personally struggling with this as we have the big global news stories that are just in the media in real time. Yeah. Afghanistan, Haiti earthquake, yeah. the Delta variant. Like, There's a lot yeah. happening. Yeah. And, I, and I'm struggling with where the line is for being involved, staying informed, yeah keeping it as a part of my consciousness and not having it do something that turns me cynical or yeah. angry or overwhelmed or in some way compromises peace when this is yeah. a broader peace conversation. How, yeah. how do you hold space for both? Yeah, it's such a good question because um, 
people aren't doing it right now. People are, I, I think a psychologist termed it doomsday scrolling. Yeah. Doom scrolling is what they called it, doom scrolling. And where it's like, we can't get enough bad news. There, there, was, a, um, uh, there was a newspaper in Switzerland that decided, you know what, it's been too much bad news. We're gonna do a day of just good news, right? So that day of good news, they lost three quarters of their subscribers because people- They didn't get what they were looking uh, for. People are addicted <laughs> to bad news. Oh. And so we don't know, it's triggering our fight or flight. Like that, that's what it's doing. It's triggering our like, we're constantly now, like it's, it makes us feel better for a moment. Our serotonin levels are popping. We weren't created to consume the amount of content we consume, good or bad. Yeah. And I, I teach on this all the time. We, we, there's, as human beings, up until 100 years ago, from the dawn of humanity to 100 years ago, we moved at three miles an hour. And all we knew about was what was happening in our hood. Yeah. Like, that, there was no way to know that something was happening in Afghanistan. There was no way to know that there was a Delta variant. We weren't created with the capacity in our souls or our psyche for this to happen. So uh, like, what do we do, burn on the phones? Do we throw the TVs away? Do we, no, like we have to take practical, tangible steps in order to lessen what I call the story stress mm. in our lives. It's yeah. the story stress. And so, you know, um, what, what, I mean, like, what do we do? You know, like, so for instance, like for me, I went and I bought an alarm clock, like an actual alarm clock that you plug into a wall People may not know what this is, but in the, in the 80s, when I would wake up, it was it was an alarm clock that played Z93 in the morning. All it did was wake me up. I couldn't pick it up and swipe it. Like, it was just that. Just a rectangle. Just a rectangle yeah. that, with a clock on it. <laughs> Maybe in some hotels you see those things. And, um, and now that's what wakes me up because there's data that shows and studies that show that the first 15 minutes we're awake, we consume, if we use our phone as our alarm clock, more content than our great-grandparents great consumed in a month. So... 15 wow. minutes in the morning before you put your feet on the floor and you're swiping, you're consuming more content than our grandparents, great-grandparents did in a month. And we wonder why we're having this epidemic and pandemic of, of mental illness. Yeah. It's because we weren't created with this capacity. And we're also starting our day, if you're doing that, <clears throat> indulging in a bunch of negativity. negativity. And so the foundation yes. of our day is fear and anxiety and what's lacking. Yeah. And, and it yeah. just creates a scarcity perspective yeah. where all of a sudden now all you see all day is scarcity. Well, and so since that's a problem, like I have put steps into place. My phone doesn't, you know, go to bed with me. Um, I, I read my news from an actual newspaper. So there, there's an actual thing that uh, a like man... Pr printed on paper? Yes, a man will drive by my home in the morning, <laughs> probably in a Trans Am, and throw it out his window, and I walk out, like, leave it to Beaver, Mr. Cleaver, and, and I walk out with my... I don't have a robe, I wish I did, and I pick up my newspaper, and that's where I read and consume my news. And guess what? The next time I see news is the next morning when yeah. I get my paper. And I promise there's not going to be something that happens in the news cycle that you won't be... But it just... It stops me from scrolling, yeah. you know? Things like that. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to find things that I can plug into my life that allows me, turning off the push notifications on my phone, that allows Huge. me to not feel like I'm constantly connected to bad news. Huge. Yeah. So in the dealing of hope, yeah. I know that's a big part of who you are and how, if I were to describe you, I would use the word hope dealer as yeah. you, I think, would describe yourself as such. In a world that has as many of these things happening yeah. and in a con the context of whether it's how we reach for courage or how we preserve peace, Talk about the importance of hope in either context. Yeah, you know, hope is 
Uh, hope is, is, is I, I feel like, the fuel that's going to move people these days from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, people feel paralyzed without hope. People are going to find their hope in different spaces, okay? Um, I find my hope in my relationship with God. I find my hope in my, in my faith. Um, some people might find their hope in family. Uh, some people may find their hope in, um, it, it could be anywhere, but as long as what we're trying to do as humans is help other people have hope, the second it turns into, because you can, you can see that shift on a, you know, in a conversation with you. Are you trying to get that, to discourage that person? Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to build hope in that person? Yeah. And that's just kind of my litmus test, litmus test with everything I do is, am I building hope in, with every conversation that I'm having? When they leave me in that conversation, are they more, more hopeful or more discouraged? Now, I'm not perfect, but that's the goal. Like, that, that's, that's what I'm just trying to do every single day. Yeah. I have a... Uh... An anxious kid. Yeah. I have four kids. I'm sure they all have anxiety on different levels. Yeah. One of them is the anxious kid. Yeah. I was the anxious yeah. kid. And as was I. And and the conversations that we have, he's a deep thinker, talks about I've got a tsunami of anxiety. Like he wow. oh, a tsunami. Yeah. Like that is a that's, that's, a, a, that's a, a magnitudinally speaking, yeah. a lot of anxiety. And I, I said, well, what is it, what's your big question? What is the thing that your brain keeps asking you? And he said, I just keep going to this, like, what could go wrong? Like, I'm walking in, it was the first week of school this week. What could go wrong? Right. And, I, and I just immediately, like, what could go right? Yeah. What if, like, what if every time your brain said, what could go wrong, what could go right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's an easy to say and hard to embrace practice. Like, yeah. for his little mind that is wired to be on the hunt for the thing that can go wrong, right. he tends to find it. Right? Wow. He'll come back and be like, well, I was right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That guy I don't like got assigned to my class. Yeah. Or that thing, <laughs> right? he was looking for it and he found it. And, and I, we ended up having to get into a spot where it was like, okay, here's your journal. Uh-huh. I need good. you to start your day making a list of some things that can go right yes. in your day to day. And lo and behold, you know, and it's not like manifesting. It's just a, if you go looking for the good, you'll find the good. If you go looking for the bad, you're going to find the bad. You're going to go find what you're looking for. Because that's the way the world actually works. And I think hope works that way too. If you go into your day with a hopeful disposition thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to find something to be hope filled with. You're going to find something. And do do that first thing in the morning. You know, like like for me, I I I do this thing, praise and thanksgiving. Like, like that, that's what I do every single, I praise God for who he is and I thank God for what he's done. And I make sure to do that every single morning. I put on a little, you know, worship record and I write it in my journal. And that one act mm-hmm. of like being grateful and thankful every single day, I mean, that can readjust your mind in no time at all. And so like, yes, I think it's so important in order to, for other people to find hope from you, you have to find it yourself. Yeah, I, my, my coffee maker takes seven minutes to fill itself. There's and your. those seven minutes every morning is when I'm writing down what from the previous 24 hours I've had to be thankful for. Awesome. But it's a prompt for the next 24 hours to be on the lookout for the things mm-hmm. I'll have to write down the following day. And yeah. I go into my day looking for things, I'm going to find those things. Yeah. It's, just a, it's a simple thing. So good, man. With, with your kids, you got yep. three kids. I do. When it comes to how you think about instilling courage in them, mm. what are the things that you do as a dad or that you and Heather do as parents to encourage them to push against the trap of comfort or yeah. putting yeah. themselves out there or living into why God's put them here? Yeah, yeah, they definitely have no choice because they've got parents that risk everything. <laughs> we, we're risk takers, both Heather and myself. We yeah. are, we're jumping out of airplanes. We're climbing, ice climbing walls on top of, you know, and so, uh, and then, you know, we have to remember that. I think everyone has to remember that 
that you're, with your kids, courage is going to look different for all of them. And they're, they're, so what may look like courage for you, you have to remember that every kid has, you know, not every kid's gonna climb you know, to the top of some mountain, but courage for them may be walking down the street if you have an anxious kid, yeah. you know, meeting somebody else. That's courage. So recognizing those, those places of the courage. The nuances of individual yes, courage. Of individual yeah. courage, yeah. you know? And so like, good. We, can't, we can't just have like one meter of like courage is here and not courage is here. That thing is going to have to shift for every single kid. It's gonna look like a triangle here, like a circle here, like a rectangle here. And so, you know, for us and our kids, that's what we're trying to make sure we're doing is like, look at their courage meter and make sure that we're celebrating what, what's courageous to them. So good. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, a few tattoos that have meaning on me. Yeah. You have tattoos as well. Is yes. There, is, there, is there something of note in the things that have been scribed on your body yes. that yes. Uh, are worthy of, note, of noting here? I, I, I mean, this is one of my favorites. This just says to pray in Korean. And so my son's Korean, when we went to adopt him in Korea, uh, when he was six months old, um, I had no tattoos on my body at the time, and I got this huge tattoo to pray. And it's actually, tattoos are like taboo in Korea. But this was like just to remember to pray for his birth mom, mm -hmm. his birth dad, his family. And so, you know, every day he sees this, uh, and, you know, he's like, are you, you praying for my birth mom? Like, like cause he, I'm like, it could have just ended up a tattoo, but yeah. it is a reminder not only to me now, but to him, yeah, I got a whole bunch of other things as well. But this is the that's one that beautiful. I, yeah, I love that. Well. My daughter, I have a daughter adopted. Okay. And we have an open adoption, and oh, wow. we have not yet. She's a, she's four, but okay. there will be a day where Absolutely. she's going to be able to find the connection that just naturally exists. We yeah. had her actually come to her first birthday party. Wow. Just, I mean, I've never even told this story, yeah. but we had her come to the first birthday party. And she was so excited to just reconnect with Rachel and I. We had, yeah. we had a beautiful, a really beautiful relationship and, awesome. and understood her rationale for why she had other children and this was the right choice. And when she came into the house, she was really kind of eye contact connected with Rachel and I yeah. as Noah, one, is just kind of like getting her bearings and walking a little yeah. bit for the first time. And Noah walked right over to her. Wow. Like just like yep. right in the eyes. like. There was something that was just on an instinctual level. Absolutely. And it was one of those things like Rachel and I were like, don't cry. Do not cry. Do not cry. <laughs> this totally. is okay. Everything is great. It's all yeah. good. Yeah. But it, there's just, um, I don't know, adoption. You know, yeah. I've, I've talked about my adoption a ton. It's one of those like, yeah. uh, it's wild in terms of its emotional roller coasterness well, and rich in a depth that I could have never appreciated. And talk about courage. Talk, you know, I, th I think it's funny how people see people that adopt as the courageous ones. And it's like, no, it's, it was her, it's her mom. Oh. It's the mothers, it's the birth, like, they're the ones that we're, we're learning courage from, right? Yeah. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. I also, too, this is, I, this is such a random thing, we can cut it if we need to, That's but I, the, the question I actually get most from people who are interested in adopting yeah. but have not themselves adopted is how they worry that they might not connect to their adopted child mm -hmm. in the way that they do their biological right. children. Right. right. And I'm like, I have not one day, yeah. literally, in yeah. the life of this four and a half year old yeah. beauty slash monster, <laughs> one time looked at her and said, oh, there's my adopted daughter. No. Not one time. Yeah. She's yeah. my daughter. I know. I think of her in the same ilk and line of it's, any of my children. Well, it's but, so true. L Losiah, you know, he does not look like me. And, <laughs> I don't even remember that we adopted him. Right, right. Like, like, I know. I don't, I, I'm like, adopt people are like, oh, are you adoption advocates? I was like, 
wait, we adopted? Like, I, I, he's just been a part. Isn't it why? It's, it's, it. it's such a crazy thing. <laughs> so it. what are you most excited about in what is coming oh, up? Man. I mean, there's, I know that, like, the, again, like we talked about, like, the, it feels like you're on the precipice of some really big God-created stuff. Yeah. But what, what, what excites you right now? You know, I mean, people say that, you know, and I'm like, I mean, I feel like, this is like, like I'm, I'm on the big part, right? Like, like people are like, oh, there's, you're on the step of big things. And I'm like, I'm doing the big thing. You like, are I'm, doing like, the big like, things. Like, like, I don't want to dismiss no, 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 for but, a but, second But I do things. feel like, I do feel like, man, like, I, like if this was it, like, like, like if this is what I'm doing, like I'm just like every once a month I find a need and I get my Insta Familia to help out on that need, bro, I, I could retire. Like right? I, I finally found, I feel like, it, this is great. I'm 46 years old and I am just now, I feel like stepping into the sweet spot of my life. I totally like, like agree. It, I just now am stepping into like, this is what I was created to be. Yeah. This is what I was created to do. So like all that stress that I was going under when I was 25 and like, why am I not in my dream, whatever it may be. It, it took until right now. And yeah. now I'm just now stepping into it. So what I'm excited about is, well, now that I'm in it, let, let's see what the next 15, 20 years look like of yeah. actually s- sitting in this sweet spot, man. So. I'm really excited about it. I've, I've worked really hard on my um, spiritual health, uh, my mental health. I'm healthier than I've ever been. Yeah. And um, physically even. And I am, I'm just like, man, I feel like I could run through a freaking wall like right. all the time. Like it's just good. So I'm just, I guess I'm excited about life, about living, you yeah. know, about seeing what the adventure is going to hold every single day. Uh, I love it. What I actually find interesting is I don't know how much of what existed previously, whether it was identity or work or whatever, yeah. that was you focused. Yeah. But the work that you're doing right now is you shining yep. your light to others. Yeah. And the other focused nature of the work is the thing that feels like yes. it is like unlimited potential yes. and all upside. Yeah. And probably also is what creates that feeling inside yeah. because so. chasing. The things, and I just, I'm speaking now from personal experience. Sure, yeah. When I was chasing title or yep. salary or status or whatever, yeah. those were all me related, ego driven things. Absolutely. And it's only after focusing, hey, is there a way that I might be able to use any gift yep. to, in something I write or something I say, affect breakthrough or change in someone sense. in someone else? And that's, it's just, it's everything. It's, it I, I was running the other day. <laughs> And I got. Wait, you were running. I know. I do. <laughs> I do like to run. I'm trying to run like you. I'm running, and I do like a ask me anything. Yeah. I'm gonna do a long run. Yeah. And somebody, it was just a snarky comment, but I couldn't help it. Uh-huh. It was like you used to be a top exec, and now you run and talk into your phone, <laughs> and and I couldn't help it. You know, like I answered the question. I was like, you know what? The unhappiest I've ever been in my life yeah. was as an executive in everyone else's dream job. And the happiest I've ever been in my life, more connected to purpose than ever, also comes with the weird side benefit of talking into my phone. And And every once in a while, giving you a discount code on a t-shirt. Like, (laughs) like, honestly, like, it's weird (laughs) that the vision of who I thought I'd be then is so disconnected from where I'm at now, and yet it's where happiness and fulfillment and purpose feel connected. Yes. It's just, anyway, for whatever, part part of it is, like, there's so many pieces of programming as we're coming up telling us who Mm -hmm. we have to be to be affirmed, to be loved, to be enough. And those are those limiting beliefs. Those are those stories. Yep. You know, like not necessarily the self-defeating. Am I good enough? Right. But when you start to 
feel a tug into a space, the courage that's required is usually to push against the uh -huh. way that society defining what being a real man or being a good girl yeah. says you need to do yeah. in order to fit a mold. Right. I mean, you are, you're way out of the mold. Yeah. I'm way out yeah. of the mold. And yeah. I think our happiness and healthiness yeah. is a reflection of the departure from that mold. Yeah, no, it, it is. And it feels, doesn't it feel so good? So like good. You can breathe. I mean, I'm wearing a leather, leather bracelet now, yeah. so like truly the sky's the limit. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's not mince words. That's amazing. All right, uh, last question, yeah. because I am going to have this as a part of the Rise Together yes. podcast. You're coming back. Uh, if there was a single thing that you would offer as a piece of advice or an action that someone could take, whether it's how to better cultivate some courage or maintain and preserve some peace, what's the single piece of advice, the word you would give to someone today? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, it's going to go more along the lines of peace. And for forever, I used to think that peace needed to look like a puddle, okay? Like, like just a puddle of still, still water, right? But at least in the Bible, when, when, I, when I read anything about peace, it says peace is like a river. And so what I want people to understand, you can believe in the Bible or not. I, just, I think this is actually a great um, idea about peace. Peace doesn't look still. If you're looking for peace in no waves, in crystal glass water, that's not what it's going to look like. There's going to be boulders. There's going to be currents. There's going to be banks. Peace actually moves. There's going to be white water. So you can actually find your peace in the middle of chaos. And so don't think that just looking for peace, um, that you're just going to find it in like, like on vacation, like just on the, no, you can find peace in the middle of a whitewater river uh, if that's what your life looks like right now. So don't be scared to find it that way. Peace is where you make it. Ben yeah, Rector right. said it, saying it yes. on the back patio with me. That's awesome. Carlos Whitaker, Los Wit, I appreciate you, brother. Dude, thank you, man. Thank you for bringing me into the kitchen. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome.